The views and opinions expressed on Unlock Your Wealth Radio are those of the host, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the views of Unlock Your Wealth Radio, Heather Wagonalls, or Success Publishing International. Worried about retirement? Want to travel the world or just be around to watch your kids grow up but you can't because you're drowning in debt? Now you can with Heather Wagonhalls and the Keys to Riches powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio. Heather will show you how to stop chasing your wallet, eliminate debt, lose financial stress, and live the life of your dreams. If you truly ever wanted to have more, do more, be a give back more, now's your chance. Listen weekly to hear what others are doing to manage their money better with these proven strategies for building wealth with the Keys to Riches financial philosophy. Now, here's your host, Heather Wagonhalls. This is a segment of Keys Riches powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio. It's sponsored by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at uh, keystoriches.com forward slash free book and click on the link to over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks so much for stopping by. I am your purveyor of prosperity, Heather Wagonhalls. I am also joined today by the illustrious Mui fabuloso maestro of moolah michael terry wow nice intro thank you hello folks good to have you here miguel nice to be here and we have an incredible show on tap for you today uh so we've got a great moolah word of the day we're going to start incorporating some of our financial and brain heuristic type stuff Mm, so yeah so um and and I I'm really liking my new resource Investopedia, you know, yeah. and 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 they're not a sponsor or anything, but I just you know I always try to find great resources, but and, and they actually you know they get they they give better examples than where I was pulling them from InvestorWords.com. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like you know they were great at the time, but you know onward and upward, bigger, better, faster, stronger, Absolutely. and Investopedia has taken us there. Seems things with Pedia after them too. Pedia seem to work. Yes. And, and, and this works well, you know, because it gives you some really great examples. So we have a, a, a brain fallacy. Um, so it's like an incorrect thinking is, is kind of what fallacies and heuristics are shortcuts, but fallacies are when the shortcut is not really a shortcut because it takes you to no man's land. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that today uh, when we get to our moolah word of the day. But what key do we have this week, Miguel? Uh, no seasonal exceptions. Key number eight. Uh, that's correct, my friend. So, uh, we are going to talk about the value of, uh, what it means. Uh, we've come so far to have something so simple, but so pervasive in our lives, take us off of our game after we've worked so hard. So we're going to learn how to avoid the financial pitfalls that special occasions, events, commemorations, and holidays uh, can create for us financially. And we're going to learn how to deftly avoid those with the rules of etiquette. Simple etiquette Mm. gives us the answer. We're losing etiquette these days, aren't we? Um, I would think that your tense of the word is incorrect. <laughs> I would say lost. We lost it. I would say lost. I, I, I was speaking with a teenager the other day, and they were 
saying please and thank you. So it's not completely gone. Well, but I think it got lost on the millennials. You're Gen Z, right? No, I'm Gen X. You're Gen X. So Gen Y is also AKA the millennials. And so Gen Z is the next ones coming up. So these guys are getting out of high school. They're, they're, they're going into college and they're, they're entering the, and they're leaving college and entering the workforce. This is like the first ones of Gen Z are, are now, and they're very financially and fiscally and politically conservative, Interesting, you know? So it is very interesting to see so many young people impassioned politically um, in this way, because you always typically look to the youth to be the more radical and involved, but it's, you know, the millennials that are having families now. They're getting married, they're settling down, they're having families. Wow. Maybe they're on career number two that are so crazy. What's that, about 18 the to, snowflakes. About 18 to 34, right? That's what I, that's what I heard. That's, <laughs> that's what age group they are. Uh, no, millennials, uh, millennials are uh, mid-20s to 30s. So you're... Right. So your 18 year olds right now are, are your Gen Z. That's Gen Z. That's yeah. Gen Z. Because 97 was when millennials started. So the millennials were right around 2000. I think they're, I think they ended right, right after the turn of the century. I want to say 03. So mm-hmm. that's why we're starting to see the first teenagers coming up into college and stuff like that. I have to look back. Yeah. I, I had a class on yeah. it and, and I just can't remember. Yeah. I'm remembering something about 97 and but I don't. But you're saying the millennials are also called snowflakes. They're, they're, they're Those are some of the, yeah. So some of, some of the activists are that, are that when they refer to the snowflakes, they're referring to this generation because they're the ones that were raised with everybody gets a trophy. Can't right. we all get along? Uh, live your passion. Mm-hmm. Don't do what makes money follow your dream even if it puts you in the poor house somebody else will take care of you these are the kids that are still living at home in their early 30s you know or they've returned home because they can't hack it in the real world that's that's the snowflakes when you hear about snowflakes that's who you're thinking about because because it's not a lot of these young kids that are the problem you know i mean if you think about it like what happened at berkeley they were all the older students the younger ones were coming to see this kid talk Mm mm-hmm I can't think of his name. Milo. Milo. There you go. Um, they were coming to see him talk. It's a crazy gig. It's a it's a bit of a mess. Um, the the speech that I watched today had an interesting take on what's wrong with the country from a criminal perspective. You know, he's a federal marshal that mm-hmm. that spoke at, at our luncheon today. Um, but you know, what he says the number one problem in America is what's that? What would you think? What do you think the number one problem is? Well. I think the number one problem is, you know, divisiveness and just acceptance and just being, you know, letting other people speak their minds and without, you know, without the hatred and the and the uh, vitriol. Well, the number one problem that leads to crime these days is mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing that our country has the biggest problem with, mm-hmm. our mental health issues. We don't address them, um, and we don't take care of them. We don't create like mental health and well-being programs. You have to seek that outside of school systems mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Okay. Um, and uh, nobody wants to be told that they're crazy. Yeah. But that's why, you know... Th- he believes from a criminal perspective that if we treated the mental health issues that we have in this country, that we would automatically see less crime, automatically see less drug use, automatically no, no, see less of all of these other things. And so our number one problem is is not terrorism or illegal immigration. It's mental health. So how do we do that without 
giving some of these people free health care so they can take care of their- Well, they already get it. Yeah. If you want help, it's out there. But the problem is people think they're fine. Yeah. Everybody else is the problem. Yeah. Well, that's so. I'm sure that's true. So uh, let's do our moolah word of the day, shall we? Bring it on. So moolah word of the day is gambler's fallacy. Have you ever heard of the gambler's fallacy? I haven't heard of that one. All right. The gambler's fallacy is when an individual erroneously believes that the onset of a certain random event is less likely to happen following an event or series of events. This line of thinking is incorrect because past events do not change the probability that certain events will occur in the future. So to give you an example, to give you an answer, uh, Think of a coin toss. All right. Consider a series of 20 coin flips that have all landed with the heads side up. Under the gambler's fallacy, a person might predict that the next coin flip is more likely to land with the tails upside. But this line of thinking represents an inaccurate understanding of probability because the likelihood of a fair coin turning up heads is always 50%. Each coin flip is an independent event, which means that any and all previous flips have no bearing on future flips. Now, why does this have anything to do with us? Well, this can be extended to investing as some investors believe that they should liquidate a position after it has gone up in a series of subsequent trading sessions because they don't believe that the position is likely to continue going up. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, is it is it would that make is investing any different than rolling the dice? Absolutely. It's nothing like rolling the dice. Exactly. So there's probability involved. No, there's you know, probability has a lot less to do with what goes on in the stock market than um what people typically invest upon because you know when you make an individual trade like you know and you and you trade your thousand shares i mean it's a negligible amount of shares in the grand scheme of how many scheme, uh, shares are out there and you're doing this gambler's fallacy you're not affecting the marketplace the big players the institutional investors meaning they're buying hundreds of thousands or millions of shares at a time or selling you know hundreds of thousands or millions uh, millions of shares at, at any given time those people are basing that not on what they think the market will do. They base it on the fundamentals of the company and what they know to be true about the company. Mm -hmm. How has the company performed in the past? Is this trend likely to continue? Is there still demand in the marketplace? Which direction are sales going? Has the leadership changed? That, you know, any kind of wild swings in stock prices have to do with emotional investing and have nothing to do with solid trading. You know, everybody's freaking out. I got asked to give an opinion about Warren Buffett yesterday and they were saying you know what do you think of him liquidating walmart you know and and he's and he's decided that 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 retailing is dead but you know i disagree with him yes amazon is much bigger in you know uh, Walmart did what three billion in online sales versus the 70 billion or something that amazon did But that was never Walmart's primary business. Maybe, you know, like the former CEO made a quote saying, perhaps I could have moved toward it, you know, because I noticed the other day, it was ironic that I got asked about this because all of a sudden Walmart has free two-day shipping. Mm. 
you know, to, to kind of compete yeah. with Amazon Prime members where you get two-day shipping for free. Yeah. So Walmart's offering that now, you know. But here's the thing, though. See, it's like the I, I believe the demographic of the Amazon customer is not the demographic of the Walmart customer. There's and some overlap. But, Some overlap, yeah. but I wouldn't say by and large, you know, the people that are buying on Amazon are buying for convenience. And the people that are buying at Walmart are buying because of price. Right, right. You know, plus when you go, if you ever go into a Walmart, it's a shopping event. It's a family thing that they do right. that everybody does together. Everybody goes, buys their stuff, picks their groceries out, you know. Yeah. Yep. It's a family affair, you know, and so for those folks that don't have other recreational activities, they're not going to give up their one family event that they do, like going to the store, you know, like, oh, we're going to Walmart this weekend. Like people aren't going to give that up. They do that every weekend. Some people aren't tech savvy. People aren't online. For those that are, they're going to be bargain shopping anyway, regardless of where they go. And, And there's this other thing that some people just don't get. And that's, you know, everybody's worried that Amazon was going to replace books. Well, guess what? I still sell books. I sell physical books. I give away physical books all the time. I have a significantly larger Kindle library, but that's because I just didn't have room for all those books. So I was able to put them on my Kindle. There are a lot of books that aren't on Kindle. There's a lot of books that aren't available in the e-universe, but there's something special about curling up with a good book in front of the fireplace that you cannot get when you curl up with your electronic device. Right. It's just not the same. The, the romance is not there. It's just not the same. Yeah. And we're not willing to give that up. The smell of the paper, the touch of the pages, the flipping, flipping, yeah. flipping. You know, they can design all the technology. You can flip pages now. And it even has that whoosh, sound on my Kindle when I flip the page. It goes whoosh, but it still doesn't replace the book. But, you know, so so my thought is that Walmart is still solid because Walmart is still profitable. You know, they expanded in a way that made sense, <coughs> you know, for them. And, and their distribution model is what really makes them work. And so that's why it's it's a it's a good thing to have the way Amazon or the way Walmart is. I, I think that that was bad. And so everybody's worried about the stock price tanking. And I'm like... When the company is solid, when the fundamentals are solid, yes or not in e-commerce, if you were comparing them in, in the e-commerce world, they'd be losing to Amazon. But that's not their whole place. And Amazon isn't even in a retail platform. So they're not fair to make comparisons to, uh-huh. Uh-huh. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And so when a stock price dives for something stupid because Warren Buffett sells, you know, it's like, okay. It's information you can take in that information, but how does that affect me, you know, personally? What he did, you know, maybe I'm the Walmart customer. Maybe it makes sense for you to stay in Walmart. And if he dumped a bunch of stock and the price went down, guess what that means? I can now go buy my favorite stock on discount. Yeah. That's a bonus. I think that's a win-win. But anyway, uh, but you know, so we were talking about the gambler's fallacy. That's how, right. how it kind of came about. So it came up from the money word, uh, uh, moolah word of the day. Um, so, so you know, being in the stock market is not a gamble. Um, if, if you give your money to the people who are professionals, you can go on hunches. You right. know, I mean, my husband did an IPO uh, a week ago. The stock went public this week, and. Uh, and they just wanted a quiet little opening and they just wanted a little bit of appreciation, you know, to make the people that put up the money for the private placement happy. And the first day it shot up 
to like three bucks, three dollars and ninety cents. It closed, wow. and they didn't want it. They're like, it needs to be at two fifty, and so it came down. But it got like it got a little rally there. People got excited. Woo, you know. And, but that's not what they wanted. They just wanted to come out kind of quiet and have small trading volume because they didn't want the hysteria to, to artificially inflate the stock. Because sure. what gets artificially inflated gets, you know, deliberately deflated. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like the beach ball of, you know. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, and so now that the stock has found its little homeostasis right around the 250 mark where they wanted it, they're going to work their tail off to create the value so when it does start to creep up it creeps up on fundamentals not hysteria or emotion or the gambler's fallacy yeah that's great so it's not about prediction you know it's about understanding your marketplace i mean the people there are no magic you know wands or crystal balls and the people that know what they're doing know what they're doing and they know what they're looking at and that's why it's so critical to get a financial education yeah you know what i mean and and learn we've had some really great guests with great entry-level investing schools that you know just go back through our past shows at unlockyourwealthradio.com and just put it you know investing class you know, we, we had Kiana Dial, the Investiva, mm-hmm. talking about trading options. I mean, what a cool chick she was. Yeah. Um, we yeah. had a couple other folks on. Um, I'm thinking of the one, um, like uh, Dagny Taggart. I think the last name was Galt, and she had an investment school. Or, or the chick that wrote the pirate book yeah. to teach um, about investing. Yeah. I mean, it's so so you got to get the education. Um, and, and then, then you'll have your own crystal ball or your own magic wand for investing. Um, and, and so once you take out like key five, take emotion out of the picture yeah. and you're investing for the right reasons, it doesn't matter what's right for Warren Buffett. It matters what's right for you. So that's guy you got to look at. Yeah. This segment of Keys to Riches, powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio, is sponsored by KeepMyID.org, the only service that actually prevents identity theft. All others are just monitoring services. Put your credit on lockdown for uh, Keys to Riches radio listeners by visiting our website at keystoriches.com forward slash KeepMyID and click on the link to start protecting your financial future right now. Remember to use promo code WAGS. So let's talk about, we've talked about every single thing that we can think of, but let's talk about this week's key, shall we? Sounds good. So it's the eighth key in our Keys to Riches financial philosophy. And for those of you who are joining us for the first time, thanks so much for stopping by. We're so glad to have you. And uh, the Keys to Riches is a financial philosophy that teaches you how to think like the rich and be in control of your own money. It also gives you specific techniques to create or fix your credit, eliminate debt, save and invest, all while transforming your current financial habits into healthy money management skills. And we do this this one key at a time, one week at a time here at Keys to Riches Radio. And no seasonal exceptions is one of my cooler keys, if you will, because one of the things that drives um, spending um you know, if you know our biology-based approach to money management, it's towards pleasure and away from pain. But what what we we do so much 
for the external good doggy, if you know what I mean, to please others or to be looked at or viewed in some particular way by others that we make ineffectual purchases um, or expenditures and we spend inappropriately or not as effectively as we could be spending. And once you start in here with the keys to riches, now you've got, you've broken your budget, you've got a healthy savings and spending plan instead, you've got your financial goals, and now you have a holiday or a special occasion or an event to celebrate and you go overboard and now you feel like all hope is lost and you're like, but, but I had to, let me just tell you, unless the building is burning, you don't have to get out. No, you don't have to. There there is no have to. And, and, and so let's talk about what giving and receiving is for a moment, because this boils down to giving and receiving appropriately and it it helps you identify or redefine depending on how you currently define giving and receiving in your life and uh, sometimes our expenditures especially commemorating special events or circumstances or holidays is that we're doing it because we're trying to fulfill some desire that wasn't fulfilled before or we're compensating for something that didn't happen or happened in a less than savory fashion, you know, and I'm talking about stuff like way back from childhood, Yeah, you know, big traumatizing events that like you might be able to say, oh yeah, that was no big deal, but you're still like, you know, I I mean, I was, I was talking about this last night. So, so, you know, sometimes we have events in our lives, like, you know, I still today, with all that I have, with all that I've done, sometimes I still feel like I'm not good enough. That's why I keep pushing so hard. Because like, I just had this desire to be accepted because I wasn't, you know, and had nothing to do with me, you know, and I know this, it had to do with the the times, the seventies, growing up in the seventies, growing up with a mom that was divorced with two small kids when it wasn't cool to be a single parent, let alone a single mother. Women didn't have credit equality. They didn't have income equality in the seventies. So my mother couldn't apply for a home loan or a car loan or anything like that without a man. It just it just wasn't happening unless a woman paid cash for those kinds of things. She just didn't get them. Mm. It was a very very difficult, very uphill battle, and all of the and most people were still married, you know. And so none of the married women wanted to talk to or befriend my mother because they were afraid that she would try to steal their husbands. Wow. You know, I mean, it was just this narrow, shallow mindset growing up, and so consequently, my brother and I were excluded from a lot of things. You know, you think that was the Southwest too. You think that was a Southwest thing, Arizona? No, I think it was just a sign of the times. Yeah. You know, it was a sign of the times, you know, because, you know, my mother and and her parents were all East Coast people that moved out here. So it's not like we're dealing with a multi-generational Arizona thing. Yeah. You know, these were all transplants from somewhere else. Yeah. You know, we didn't really have a native population you know, um, where people stuck around all year until like the last 20 no, years. No, you didn't. I mean, you know, Arizona would be a ghost town in the summer. Yeah. You'd get the snowbirds and then they'd be gone. Yeah. So to say that it was just an Arizona thing, no, it, it was a societal problem. Yeah. It was a societal problem. We could have been anywhere. Yeah. And we would have had those same issues for sure. So dealing with not being good enough was one of one of my issues. And so th- just like that, you, you could have some sort of issue that drives you, 
you know? Um, and so like, you know, I had, you know, a little event at my house last night and, and I was driven to make everything perfect because I just, you know, I grew up really poor and I didn't get to go to parties cause I just wasn't invited. I was excluded. And so when I said that when I grow up, I'm going to be rich and famous and I'm going to entertain and I'm going to have fabulous parties, you know, I mean, to the point where I'm like OCD and I'm printing out the labels, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> For like each little dish, like everything had to have like perfect little labels. <laughs> so, so here are the tortillas, here's the taco filling. I mean, it was like, it was essentially taco Tuesday on a Wednesday. No Mary Tyler Moore parties yeah. for you. <laughs> <laughs> but everything like, and I had party favors. I had these gummy bracelets made. I mean, I just, you know what I mean? It just, it had to, because of this drive that I was never good enough. So I was going to make an event that was good enough for everybody that came. They were going to feel like Heather loved them, that, that they were good enough. Cool. You know what I mean? Like, and it just kind of raised the bar sort of thing. And so that's what drives some of this stuff. Now, I have the money to entertain like this, right? You know what I mean? This is something I can do. I, I had the time. I cooked. I, I, I made the best meal. My girlfriend is like, I have all these high maintenance dietary requirements of all my friends. Some are <laughs> vegans. Some like I'm paleo. We got another gluten-free. We got kosher chicks. Yeah. We've got, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, allergies, food allergies, like all sorts of crazy things, you know? And so I worked really hard to make everybody feel included because, you know, when you have dietary restrictions, you can feel excluded, sure. you know? And so I did everything to make everybody feel special and, and, and stuff like that because I never felt that way, you know, but that takes time and that takes money. Now, having that same compulsion, but not having the budget to do that, completely inappropriate for me to have done what I did. Sure. It would have been completely inappropriate. And that's what I'm talking about with the no seasonal exceptions. So, you know, when we think about um, giving and receiving, um, the rules of etiquette and manners and good breeding really help us out. And let's address a couple of good examples. So giving is about the giver, not the recipient. So it's about, if you're the giver, it's about how you're perceived. Uh, and it's about being recognized or responded to in a particular way. But most people give for the satisfaction of giving. Some people give to get, which is the wrong reason to give. Um, but ideally, giving is about the giver, not the recipient. And so we need to find out what's driving us when we have these over-the-top birthday parties for one-year-olds where we take out a second mortgage so we can have pony rides and those bouncy bounces and all of these crazy things for a kid that does is never going to have a conscious memory of this particular event. And maybe it will get to watch the, you know, motion picture that you had spent $3,000 on filming for the whole event for like a 15 minutes worth of activity that it ultimately gets mixed down to. And so, you know, because of this, I have created this um this uh uh card of philosophy and to avoid these things um there's two things you need to do first you need to create a, a spending plan for holidays and special events you know um going overboard um trying to buy your kid a car for their 16th birthday or graduation when you can't afford it in the moment and had 16 or 18 years to plan for it and failed to do so doesn't mean go out and borrow against your 401k or your lack of retirement or blow your your emergency fund savings and you know when people receive we have to remember that that if you're truly giving for the right reasons and you're giving to give 
All you want is gratitude and response. The other flip side of this is as a recipient, if you refuse to receive, this is the universe saying you're worthy. And when you say, no, I can't accept that gift, you're saying, I'm not good enough for that gift, especially if somebody who has the means spends a lot on you. Right. And you somehow don't feel worthy of this gift, or you may feel obligated. Nobody wants your obligation. They know they have more money than you. They are trying to enjoy their wealth by sharing it with you. And as somebody that's trying to create a connection and law of attraction, when somebody offers you something fantastic, you need to accept it. Unless, and this is the only exception to the rule of no seasonal exceptions, is if it is an unwanted romantic advance. If somebody is trying to woo you and they're buying you things and you have no romantic desires for this person, then you must refuse the gift because accepting it drags it out, leads them on and create, can create a stalker scenario. So we just have to use this card of philosophy. So if you go to keystoriches.com, you can download our holiday saving and spending tracker, which will help you identify the holidays and then appropriately save for, for, for the amounts that you uh, anticipate spending on each particular person or event. And then use the card of philosophy and start with a card first because people want your presence in the E-N-C-E format, like show up and be a part of. They're not looking for the ENTS, give me something format. So when you get invited to something or somebody, you know, wants to give you a gift, um, they're looking for the grace, the gratitude, the recognition that they did something well. And that's what you have to look for. So visit the website at keystoriches.com for this key statement, key affirmation, and key action item. And for more great resources and interviews with some of the top financial experts, visit unlockyourwealthradio.com. For the maestro of moolah, Michael Terry, I'm Heather Wagonhalls. Now go out and unlock your wealth today. Unlockyourwealthradio.com is produced by Heather Wagonhalls and the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com and its affiliates are copyrighted 2017 with all rights reserved. For more information on the Keys to Riches Financial Wellness Series, please visit our website at www.unlockyourwealth.com.